Welcome back to Downtown Cleveland's podcast, Then There's Cleveland, where we discuss downtown Cleveland's successes, challenges, and future opportunities for growth. Currently, downtown Cleveland, like many other cities across the nation, is experiencing the fallout not only of the global pandemic, but also the civil unrest that took place as a result of the racial injustices that we have all witnessed in recent months. Which has left us asking ourselves, are we an inclusive city and how can we provide more opportunity for people of color in our urban neighborhood? On this episode, we talk to award-winning artist Antoine Washington about the Voices of Clee public art project taking place in downtown Cleveland and how our city center neighborhood can be more intentional about diversity and inclusion. To do this work, you gotta be willing to be broke. You gotta be willing to know that the truth might cost you some money. Amplifying voices in our community, especially those of color, is more important than ever. And the Voices of Clee Public Art Initiative in downtown Cleveland is a call to action for local artists and creators to inspire, communicate, and represent through their medium. This effort is meant to provide a platform for freedom of expression and encourage healing, while also sparking conversation and action here and now as we unite to move Cleveland forward. Hi, I'm Michael Deemer, Executive Vice President for Business Development at Downtown Cleveland Alliance. We are the only nonprofit organization that's dedicated exclusively to attracting more people, jobs, and investment to downtown Cleveland, as well as making it the most dynamic place to live, work, and do business. Hi, my name is Lauren Napakny. I work for Downtown Cleveland Alliance, where I'm the marketing coordinator, and I work on projects like this. I'd like to welcome all of you to the latest edition of our podcast, and then there's Cleveland. And we're joined today by one of our great artists uh, in Cleveland, Antoine Washington. Welcome, Antoine. I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. I'm Antoine Washington. I'm an artist based out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I like to say, yeah, I'm father, husband, family man. I like to coin myself as a uh, as a businessman, I guess, if you want to if you want to say that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just artist, fine artist. That's pretty much who I am. Award-winning artist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I appreciate no, you. I appreciate we'll, that, we'll Laura. Say it for you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that, Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Award of course. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to uh, to talk myself up. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's, that's something I got to get used to. <laughs> of course, very humble artist. But we know, um, you know, you've created several pieces um, in Cleveland award-winning, you know, you work with Land Studios, an organization that we've worked with for Voices of Clee, this public art initiative that's going on. We know we've seen your work in uh, Public Square. And do you want to speak about, you know, some of the pieces that you create and, you know, the meaning um, that you try to, you know, share across? Yes, yes. In the art that you do? The name of the piece is 156 Years. They basically stand... I wanted to uh, build a piece about antebellum slavery and the, uh, and the celebration of coming out of that. So that that was uh, pretty much the basis of that piece. How I mean, to uh, the concept of the piece. But what I really wanted to do is to highlight the women throughout the civil rights movement who played a major part. Most black women that 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 have played these parts in and throughout our history are often left out. Those, their stories are often not told. People just kind of just forget about how important 
they are. So what I did was I actually uh, wanted to honor them in that way, but also honor fighting to come out of slavery, antebellum slavery. That was the gist of that one. I usually use like uh, this idea of uh, taking the American flag and kind of like breaking it down to to like these little uh, these little symbols of letting you know like that that's what I'm talking about. But then you don't really it's not really in a disrespectful way. It's really in a respectful way of just showing of, of just talking about how liberty and justice justice for all is what our country stands for. And that's what. I want to hold our country up to, to that uh, in particular. So I kind of use like the stars and stripes to symbolize that portion of America. So that's why I use the different colors to uh, kind of go into the different cultures, the different races of people, this big melting pot pot of what America is and kind of telling that story subtly. However, uh, I want to put the, and then I, and then what I'll do is I'll put the, uh, put those black figures on top of it to let people know, to begin the, the lesson in history and how black people and black uh, figures are left out throughout the history and, and, and their stories aren't told because we all know that black history often gets told as just black history in February, but I think black history is American history. You've used your art so powerfully over the years to, to tell the story of, of black history and to inspire people to think about social justice. I'm curious in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd's murder and, you know, you know, looking at how the world reacted, people of uh, different ages, races really around the world coming together in protest. How did you react as, as an artist and what did you think of that in light of kind of art that you've dedicated yourself to as you're, you're watching all this unfold? That's a great question too, Mike. I kind of went into uh, a way of how do I express myself as a black man and as a black artist? How do I approach it? Do I approach it in an angry way? Do I approach it in a way that, 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 uh, that would be a positive with, with something that tragic happening, how do I how do I approach it? That was one of the first things that went in my mind is how do I how do I channel this and create art? Because I'm I'm so I'm so emotionally torn. Man, I just I just totally just went. I just started to uh, started to re- do a lot of research, listen to a lot of uh, what my friends had to say, people had to say around me. Then I just began to to just sketch things out and just let the energy that I was receiving from just watching the news or just watching our uh, interviews of how people felt, the uh, interviews of the family, just looking at social media and just seeing everything going on around me and, and just trying to capture and, and, and really cap and, and really like soak in that energy to actually put into like the work. So I, I just began to uh, just come up with a ton of ideas but I had to pull back a little bit because it, it, they were coming so crazy that that I was like, where do I start? So my first piece I, I ended up doing during that time was the police was uh, when I seen a photo of the uh, of the police uh, station burning in Minnesota, and I just began to paint it. I didn't care about painting it to look like the police station. I just wanted to capture what I was feeling right then and just put the color on the, on the canvas and just put what I was feeling. And it, and, it, and it was just all raw emotion. So now we're seeing a lot of, you know, these murals pop up in Cleveland. 
we're a placemaking organization. Before, you know, we had a few public art pieces show up, but nothing like this. What do you think this means to the community? What do you think this means to the Cleveland community to see all of these pieces of public art show around, especially for people of color? It's our duty as artists to, and me being a Black artist, it's my duty to use my art as a tool and something that's valuable and as a voice to actually not just show beautiful art, but to show and teach through my art and to use it as a symbol of inspiration for the next generation to do the same. That's purely my goal to even make art, is to be able to spark conversation, to be able to invoke change in some type of way. I just said, hey, I'm going to use the tools that I've acquired through going to art school, through my experience as a Black man in this country, through my friends and my and my family's experience, and just through our long history of content, how do I begin to tell the story in a way where it's receivable and it's teachable to everyone? And then we can start having these real conversations around what it is that needs to change in this country. I feel like the way that Dr. King or Malcolm used their voices in a time where where these Black movements were popping up. I feel like you had those artists that were doing the same. You had Emory Douglas, you had uh, Romare Bearden and these different artists during those times. And you had Langston Hughes and you had Baldwin and all these beautiful people that were using their voices in their art to say what it is that, that needs to be said and speaking truth to power. And I feel like that's what I wanted to do with my tool. That's what I want to do with my art. As Lauren mentioned, at Downtown Cleveland Alliance, we're a placemaking organization. We're a city-building organization. And, you know, there are so many young people today who could, you know, choose to live and work anywhere in the country or really anywhere in the world when they decide where they're going to plant their flag and build a life. They want the city that they're in to be on top of issues of racial equity and social justice and inclusion that feels different than at any point in, in my lifetime. And Antoine, I, I, I guess, you know, you're, you're such a student of American history and the role of Black people in, in American history. I'm curious about your perception of where we are now. The struggle's the same struggle. It's not new to American history. Does what's happening now look or feel different to you? I think it does. I think it feels a lot different in a way of saying hey, a lot of people are waking up to the fact that things need to change. However, I think it is a problem, too, because we are dis- we are still dealing with a system that was set in place. The system has to change in order for America to change. We are dealing with an original sin that was woven into the fabric of America, which is racism, which was slavery. So until we change the system, and which is institutionalized, Often that's what's going to happen is you're going to see certain things change, but you're not going to see this racial equity change in a mass thing, you know, make a mass change overnight because we have to change systems. I mean, you have the school to prison pipeline. You have people who are not being hired because they're black. Now I feel like it's on a lot of our white brothers and sisters to also now begin to help dismantle what it is that was put in place that we feel that our white brothers and sisters benefit from, which we call white privilege. It's hard to give away some people to give away something 
to give others something in, 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 a, in a way where it seems like things will be on an equal playing field. However, I think until that happens, because we know that this we live in a capitalistic society and everything in America runs on class and money, these different th- different things. But we're playing. We can't play in a wealth game. We can't play. We can't race in a race without the, w- when our feet are cut off. Hell, shoes. You talking about shoes? We ain't even got feet half of the time to start with. So, I think once we once we once we realize that this thing is systemic and we begin to dismantle the systemic things that have been holding people back, whether if they're of color, whatever class they're in then we can start moving forward in this country. However, I do feel that this year has been a lot of change been going on. I've seen a lot of people walking a lot of things back. I see a lot of people even trying to change the history of their founding fathers and different things like that. What, you know, I, I see what Planned Parenthood did. You know what I'm saying? I, I see what, what these businesses that have other uh, racial biases or different things that they might have had in the past that was woven into their fabric. I see them trying to make those changes, even with sports teams. But it's still, it can't just be something that's band-aided. It has to be real change. It can't just be, I'm changing just because I'm trying to protect my money. It has to be real genuine change. You have to start putting some of these, some some black people in, po- in, in some positions of power, and that's going to hurt. I know it is, but you're going to have to start allowing us to also be in the rooms to be able to sit at the tables. Until we start seeing those type of changes, then I'll start believing that we're going in that direction. But until then, everything, I mean, we can literally be in the same place talking about the same things next year if those things don't start changing right now. And I know everyone is tired of hearing about race or racism. Well, let's change it. Simple as that. It can. I mean, it's simple. It's humanity, <laughs> you know. So that's why. That's why I feel about it. You kind of you know talked about it earlier in, in describing your art and your approach to art, but just kind of want to ask you, you know, directly uh, thinking about the kind of systemic change you're talking about. What do you think the role of the artist is in helping to facilitate and achieve that kind of change? I think the role of the artist is. It can't be measured. To do this work, you got to be willing to be broke. You got to be willing to know that the truth might cost you some money. I think real art comes from a real honest place. We love the honest, the, the song that's honest. We love the art that's poor from an honest place. But the art has to come from that place. Not saying that every artist has to talk about what I'm talking about or have to even even speak on black issues. Hey, if you, like I say all the time, if you want to paint pretty flowers, paint pretty flowers. But it's a place for that. But right now, I feel like if you are black and if you are a black artist and you telling me you're not inspired by these times, then I think you're wasting your time picking up a paintbrush cuz right now is a time where you can use your voice for something bigger than you and your and your pockets. Right now is a time where you can use your voice and become and become a voice for your people and become a voice for the voiceless, you should be using that vessel to channel something greater than yourself. And right now is the time. And you brought us, you know, these really wonderful, thought-provoking pieces that people have seen or they're going to see. Do you want to share anything else with us about your experience or what you hope for the future, things like that? I've been here 
in Cleveland, I feel like this is my my second home. So I can say that uh, I'm originally from Pontiac, Michigan, which is right outside of Detroit. I think my experience here in Cleveland has been uh, has been phenomenal, man. I love the people. I love uh, everything about the city. And I love the fact that not being a native Clevelander, being embraced by the city and people in, in, in our community here in the city in a way where they're allowing me to actually uh, use my voice as an artist in a positive way. I think that's probably been one of the most fulfilling things that I've experienced here in Cleveland is the fact that uh, people are open and willing to listen through public forums and just beautiful art here and beautiful people here as well. Even when my family come and visit, they be like, man, I didn't think Cleveland had all of this type of you know, type of stuff here. I didn't know it was a vibe here a little bit. Like, people love it. <laughs> and that's how I felt when I first came. I'm it's like, because of the art. Exactly, the art. It's the <laughs> art, man. I mean, all the beautiful murals that's going up. And I mean, even with initiatives like Voices of Clee, it gives you, it's giving artists a, a chance to actually elevate their voices in a positive way as well and be able to show what they can do to the public. A lot of people are getting a chance to be able to uh, express themselves in, in a way that they probably would have never got if those type of initiatives wasn't in place. It's actually a great experience being here, man, creating art, meeting new people, and also building new family here in Cleveland has been very rewarding for me. So I have no complaints, man. I, I, I really appreciate the city and what they're trying to do, and especially with the arts, what they're trying to do as far as elevating more voices outside of just the usual suspects, man. They're giving a lot of young artists of color a voice to speak their truth. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I see, and to speak to Michael's point, that's the change that we need to see. And it, it needs to continue. We had a chance to talk a couple of weeks ago on, on our, our Downtown Now webinar. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I let you go without revisiting part of that conversation. What can listeners do to a better support Black artists overall? Buying their work, putting those artists or different black creatives or creators of color, whatever you want to use in positions of power and positions to somewhat have power to be able to give more opportunities. And one, one thing I, I would say on top of that as well is sometimes just putting a black face in a position or putting a black face in a position of power doesn't mean that that black face has the right interests or the right mindset towards uplifting his own people. We have to really start vetting those black people and putting the right people that's black in those positions so we can continue and not keep perpetuating the system of white supremacy, but continue to put those people in there as right, that's ready to do the right thing with that power to be able to give them the tools to be able to move this thing forward in a positive way. A lot of folks are are, are going to uh, listen to you describe your art and they're going to want to see it they're going to want to support you and other black artists. So, you know, could you uh, maybe close us out by sharing a little bit about where people can go to see your art and support it? Yeah, 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 most definitely. So how you can start with me, how you can get to me, you can get to me through Instagram, which is my name, Antoine Washington. That's spelled A-N-T-W-O-I-N-E, Washington, spelled just like the state, just like George Washington, the president. Uh, former president. You can catch me there. Same as my website is the same thing as my Instagram, AntoineWashington.com. If you want to reach me via email, you can email me through my website. Also, I have my own uh, nonprofit organization that I've been doing over the past year. 
which is called the Museum of Creative Human Art. We've been doing a lot of uh, working with kids in the community in the Slavic Village area, in uh, Stella Walsh Rec Center. We've been doing uh, some graphic design classes over there, giving away some laptops to the kids and some graphic design software. Another way you can support as well to support that organization is you can go to humanscreate.org, which is spelled H-U-M-A-N-S, just like create, C-R-E-A-T-E dot org. If you go there, you can also find us on Instagram as well at Museum of Creative Human Art. Uh, that's another way that you can donate to that initiative because we are directly impacting young creatives of color all throughout the city. If possible, uh, we're trying to expand and, and grow that. This is the second time in a couple of weeks we've had a chance to talk and we're just you know so grateful for and excited about the your contributions to downtown Cleveland over the last couple of months with the Voices of Clee public mural initiative. I mean, all of the the art and, and inspiration that you're, you're bringing to our city. We're just, we're fortunate to, to have you here. We're, we're grateful for your contributions. And again, really appreciate you taking the time to join us for, for this edition of the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Antoine. I know you're a very humble artist, as we said in the beginning. You really work hard and uh, to educate and everything else you, you described <laughs> and said. Uh, thanks for, you know, sharing your word with us and things like that. So appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys for, uh, for giving me the opportunity and supporting the, uh, supporting the work that I'm doing. And I, I really appreciate that. That says a lot. And it also says a lot about you guys, man, and your heart. So, man, I, I really appreciate that. Well, you're helping us build the kind of city that we, we want Cleveland to be. So we're, we're, we're grateful for you. And I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Mike and Lauren. The Downtown Cleveland Alliance is a nonprofit organization that has been serving downtown Cleveland for the past 12 years, working to establish downtown as the most dynamic place to live, work, and play. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay current on what's happening downtown. For information on how to start, work, and grow in downtown Cleveland, just visit downtowncleveland.com. Then There's Cleveland is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to producer Sarah Wilgroup, audio engineer Eric Coltnow, and accounts manager Connor Standish. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.